All right, we're live. Welcome to the Crypto Mining Tools podcast, and I'm your host, Scott Offord, and over here is Ethan. Hello. Hi, everybody. Our and down here, we've got Steve. Steve uh, Bar- Barbour. Steve Barber. Barbour. Yeah, just yeah. like, you know, haircutters. Barber. Yeah, Barber. Okay. Yeah, All right. Barber. I was hoping it was going to be a little bit more sexy or something. <laughs> uh, no. are, are you, are, you're in Canada, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm on... I'm in a unique uh, city in Canada. I think apparently we're the only city that's on the border between provinces. That's our claim to fame. Oh, we're, we're, a, okay. we're barely actually a city. It's more of a small town, <laughs> um, but about 25,000 people, uh, Lloydminster. So it straddles Alberta and Saskatchewan. Cool. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I'm from uh, Twin Cities myself. It's uh, Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, and then there's Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, which is on the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we, we used to go across the border all the time and uh, to get gas and milk or you know whatever, depending on the exchange rate. When when I was <laughs> growing up, <laughs> or healthcare, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cigarettes. cigarettes, yeah, and beer. Well, and that was the interesting thing because uh, in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, I think the drinking limit was 21 or no, 19. And, and in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, it was 21. So uh, a lot of the people from the college over there would come to, to Canada because I, I, yeah, I, was, I was raised in Canada. But uh, interesting. So, so between you said between Alberta and Saskatchewan. Uh, Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. Okay. Yeah. So we're basically in the prairies like Western Canada. Uh, so it's all agriculture and oil out here, basically. Okay. Do you ever get like, you know, like an East Coast, West Coast, like fight thing going on? Like Saskatchewan is the best. No, Alberta <laughs> is the best. Uh, you know, Albertans and Saskatchewanites or whatever they whatever they call them, um, they get along really well. Uh, okay. It's oh, this usually is, this is Canada. <laughs> the fighting is usually between like West Coast and East Coast. So like. Alberta and Saskatchewan will team up against the East Coast. Funny thing yeah. is, I'm from the East Coast. I'm from, uh, I actually grew up in Newfoundland. So I'm from a more liberal side of the country uh, versus and now I live out here in a very conservative side of the country. Um, so it's, it's fun. I have some fun arguments with my family these days. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. So, yeah, what, what the heck are you doing all the way up there? Uh, well, uh, I moved out here in 2011, uh, was basically just working in oil, right? So I graduated mechanical engineering and came up here to, uh, actually my first job was a production engineer. So I was basically, uh, responsible for like servicing oil wells, optimizing oil wells, like just working with the operators and stuff like that. Really cool job. Uh. I miss it in some ways because it's a very competitive job. It's actually a lot like Bitcoin mining because, you know, in Bitcoin mining, we're all trying to like maximize uptime, maximize hash rate. Just it's competitive. It's just naturally mm-hmm. very, very competitive. And that's what that job was like, too. Uh, I would just be competing against like my peers at the oil company, trying to get more production than they can and beat my budget. You know, it's the same kind of deal. So uh, it's funny because uh, Bitcoin mining has a lot of parallels with like producing oil. Um, it's very similar. It's all, it's all part of the energy industry, I guess. But yeah, uh, yeah, I moved out here for that, and then I switched roles in that same at that same company and was doing facilities engineering. Okay. So then that role is all about that specific role was more about. Um, I had some major projects like big 
horizontal pads that we were building. And so I'd, I'd do, uh, I'd work with the engineering firm on the design and then, you know, mm-hmm. getting it built and all that stuff. And then, then we'd hand it back over to production. Um, but I had some cool projects too, where like, it was just sort of more maintenance style projects, uh, with facilities, like any random thing that needed to be fixed or upgraded or an operator needed something new, they'd come to our group and then we would sort of figure out the, figure out what the problem was and try to come up with the best solution. Right. So, uh, I guess my experience prior to what I am doing now, which is obviously Bitcoin mining and as a, my company obviously is a Bitcoin mining service provider. Uh, I think it all sort of, I was well fit for this, like before I got into it. Um, especially cause I obviously target oil field mainly. So all my experience, um, is pretty relevant, uh, to that. So, yeah. So, so you, uh, so 11 years ago, you said you got into the oil industry. Well, it's 2011. Okay. So not, okay. 2011. Know, not quite. Yeah. Yeah. That's when I graduated and, uh, started. I, I mean, I had co-oppositions before that in oil field. So I've been technically working in oil field since about 2008. And, and so how, how did you get into Bitcoin then? Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about how that, uh, how that translates into cryptocurrencies and, and Bitcoin. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't really have, let's say like an interesting, uh, entry story into Bitcoin, but, um, I think I just discovered it on Reddit. Uh, the interesting part of my story is just, I was at least for my, for me, it was interesting. I was, I was, uh, I had just quit my job. I quit it. I had quit in, in the middle of like, well, the oil, oil was still hurting a lot back in, uh, 2015, 2016. It's hurting a lot now. No, it's, it's even worse now. <laughs> like it was bad then too. Uh, it's even worse now. And Canadian oil is, is easily the worst it's ever been in history. So it's uh, it's a very tough time to be in the oil and gas industry right now. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I left my, I left that role and I was actually, the reason I left that job, uh, when, and it was it was a weird time because nobody was quitting their jobs at this time because there were so many people out of work. But I was doing all these patents for this oil company because I'm really interested in like downhole tools, like oil tools and stuff, like uh, mainly for production tools. Mm-hmm. And I was pursuing that career where I, oh, I, I sort of partly learned and was coached by a YouTube channel on how to uh, um, sort of it's not that I sort of found this channel after I pursued this path, but it was about like, you know, how to, how to pursue a path in, in like inventing and like patenting and licensing. Okay. And, uh, that was a career path I was on. Uh, and I ended up doing, I have like a laundry list of oil tools. I want to, I want to, uh, get to the market, but I ended up getting in that time frame between 2016 and 2017 and partly in 2018. Cause I was, I had started upstream data, but I was also doing this other stuff on the side. Mm-hmm. I, I got two uh, products that I, I guess, invented and patented and licensed. Um, so that was the career path I was going down. And the reason I, the way I got into Bitcoin was while I was pursuing that, uh, I had a period of time in which I quit the company with no prospects because I had to quit in order mm-hmm. to do it on my own. They wouldn't let me do it through the company. So I, I had no prospects and that's when, you know, I had more downtime. So I don't even know what triggered it, but I think Bitcoin at that time, 
it was mid 2016. It was starting to, you know, go up a bit. So it was sure. getting a bit more, uh, a bit, getting a bit more publicity online. And so that, mm-hmm. then I see this Bitcoin thing again, people are talking about it. Like, okay. What is Bitcoin? Like, you know, and then you just obviously jump down that rabbit hole and then like, Oh, well, fuck, this is really awesome. Sorry if I can't swear on your pod. <laughs> I wasn't sure, but I swear a lot. I'm from Newfoundland. I'm from, uh, we, we swear like sailors. So we, we get uh, it. We get it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to tone that down. Um, uh, where was I going? Uh, I don't know, but yeah, I got into the Bitcoin thing and, oh yeah, it just sort of made sense for me right away. Cause I didn't even know what Bitcoin was obviously, but like Bitcoin mining, it's like, oh, you know, someone should do that in oil field. And uh, at the time didn't seem like anyone was. So I just went out and tried it. Tell us, uh, you know, what are the exciting things that you're doing today? Yeah. Uh, a couple exciting things I've planned. Um, I mean, the exciting things for me is just like new products, like getting new stuff out. Uh, you know, exciting as far as like Bitcoin mining goes. Some people find that exciting. Some people not. <laughs> I mean, it's it to some degree, it's pretty pretty unexciting. Like all we're doing is plugging computers in, right? Like mm-hmm. it's not that exciting. But uh, well, if you I, put you know, it I, that way, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna pull up your website here. Yeah, yeah. You can even while I'm talking, you know, like if you bring up like the products and services and data centers, like I've I've gone through a lot of different um, iterations. Like the first thing I built. Uh, which I'm still running right now. I, I basically over-designed the first one I built and it's been running amazingly, um, but it's over-designed and, you know, big, much higher cost than what it needs to be. Uh, like, for example, the first thing I built is like in that bottom left there, that, that combo data center, mm-hmm. like these, it's just a modified CCAN with a gen set in it. Um, so that's like the old version and I got a new version I'm coming out with right away, but that's, that's basically what the first one I ever built looks like. And then uh, okay. I, built, I built some more that way. Um, so I guess since this is a mining tools podcast, I guess I'll talk more about the products, I guess. But yeah. I mean, the the way this obviously works, if it's not clear, um, there's a man door you see in the front with the fans and, and that's the sure. data center side, right? So you just walk in there and that's where all your electrical and networking and everything is. Uh-huh. And that's the, that's the only way to enter that side of the building. And then there's a... In the middle, uh, there's a, the way I designed these ones, which I'm getting away from, but in, like I said, I've iterated a lot, but uh, in these ones, like in the middle, there's just a steel grating, which is breathable. And it's mm-hmm. got uh, just the hog's hair filter and you can put other filter media over it. So that separates the engine side from the uh, data center side. Mm-hmm. And so the, the whole concept is, is like, especially when you're deploying for oil field, at least, at least the way we'd strat, like our strategies, like I try to design stuff that I can just ship to whoever the customer is and they yeah. can operate it without needing us. So part of it is like, I want to isolate the data center from the engine room because if it's our data center, for example, you know, you can't have anyone just be able to walk in there. Uh, normally in oil field, um, buildings are usually unlocked um, unless, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, a certain facility, but if it's just a small well site, like usually buildings are unlocked. So, and, and, you know, if you, if I need to call a mechanic or something and it's three hours away, uh, he's got to be able to get in there and do work. So that's why the engine's in a separate, completely separate room that's unlocked, which is just huh. the other side of the secant. And you can see the exhaust sticking out. And I have the thing on the roof is actually a vent hood. It's how I push the engine heat out of the unit. Okay. Or you, you can, the way I designed this one, um, it's only really for Canadian climates, which are cooler. 
Um, but mm -hmm. it, the point was that like the engine heat would recirculate. Excuse me. In sure, the and and mm -hmm. and keep the the temperature stable. Yeah, like the first time I did this, especially, you know, I was really walking into it completely blind. Like the only thing I had to go off of at the time, in like I was designing this first one in 2016, mm -hmm. and so the only thing I, the only resource I had at the time, at least because I wasn't as well connected, like I don't know guys like you any at that point, right? So mm -hmm. I was just going on Bitcoin talk forums and uh, just seeing what like you know what the design constraints are. Like I wasn't sure. I did a lot of things like I wasn't sure like, okay, when it gets cool, would, what it is a risk of condensation on the walls? Will it drip right. into the ASICs? Mm -hmm. You know, all kinds of stuff like that. And so like I, I mitigated all those risks uh, probably like I even, I even put in like this propane furnace in case, in case like there was no power because it was shut down huh. and then you and I needed to keep it warm. So it had, it switched automatically to this, um, this inherently safe propane furnace design um, where they're like none of the exhaust, none of the spark was in the building. Oh yeah. So, I mean like all kinds of weird stuff like that, that I implemented in the prototype and never used um, all kinds of things I did to over-design things. But mm -hmm. I guess the upside of doing it that way. And I, I generally do that anyway. Like the first time I'll build a unit, I'll over-design it. Uh, mm -hmm. I'll do a little more like the first one I sent to Texas, for example, um, I wasn't really sure, like I'd never, I'd never operated in that climate. So I just went crazy with oversizing the fans mm -hmm. because I was like, I cannot, I cannot uh, risk not having enough airflow. So it just went right. too much, right? Yeah. That, that's usually the biggest gripe is, you know, oh, is there going to be enough uh, airflow to get the heat out? Yeah. 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 And people have all kinds of different concerns. Like uh, one common concern I get is, you know, um, like, should you put reflective coating on the outside building and stuff like to, to push away to the prevent, sun's radiant heat, yeah. right? But usually it's like not really, there's so much airflow, it doesn't matter. But, um, you know, you get all kinds of different concerns, but that's part of just doing it. You just go out and do it and mm -hmm. see what works. And then and what, what was your next one? After that prototype, uh, what would, uh, what did you do there? Yeah. Yeah. What's the yeah, evolution? I, I went, yeah, I did that first prototype and then I did a few more just improved versions like i made the electrical system a little more efficient like cost efficient etc and so i did more of those secant style so i got a few of those out there um and then the next one uh basically was uh yeah the next one was the no the next one was a custom one shown on the bottom right actually that one i sent to texas mm -hmm. okay um, that's like not a standard product that's shown there it's just yeah it just like okay to, like if someone wants a custom build that one mm -hmm. was cool because they wanted they wanted an option where they could use our gen sets, but not um, they didn't want to buy it all at once. They just wanted to try it, and it was on a stranded gas well. They wanted to try it small, start small, and then have it so they can plug in more engines. And so mm -hmm. I did that okay. one. I designed that one so that you can see the six plugs on the side there. Those blue yeah. plugs. So every engine plugs in independently. And is, I, I just wow. wanted is that to, where the gas goes, or? No, the gas goes to the engine, so that's just the data center. Oh, okay. the way that data center is designed, there's a control system that's watching all of the engines, and okay. there's one engine that's a primary engine that runs the fans. So, I wanted to make it user friendly, and this is where like certain things like this, I probably just because of the cost, I could do it cheaper. But like those plugs are expensive for. Example. Oh yeah, they're like oh, a yeah. few yeah, they, few hundred bucks each, aren't they? 
Oh yeah, no, those plugs were like fifteen hundred bucks each. Oh, <laughs> yeah. okay. Ridiculous. What, ridiculous. what are they? But what are they called? What What are these ones called? They're, those are uh, Meltric. They're Meltric. Uh, you can get like a cheaper version, but yeah. uh, at the time that was what I found. But it was also do you know the customer wanted a certain design, so that I gave them a few options, and that's sure. what they ended up going with. Yeah. But it so, is a really uh, good system. I think it was really well done in in the in how it works. Um, because I did it, they're all independent circuits, so there's yeah. not, mm -hmm. they're not paralleled engines. The control system manages it, so like if the primary engine goes down, it'll shut down the other engines, because if mm -hmm. the primary goes down, then the fans go down, right? Mm, it's sure. very rare for that to happen, and it's just a safety feature. So is there some sort of like, you know, big parts catalog that you can thumb through and you can find these things? Because I Google for this kind of stuff all the time online and I can't find anywhere that would sell things like this or this kind of like industrial grade stuff. So how do you even yeah. go about, you know, sourcing this kind of stuff? Uh, same as you, man. Like I've gone, I've spent so many hours, like, for example, looking for exhaust fans that like I was happy with that I wanted mm -hmm. to have as a standard. And I think I'm there, but like, it's, uh, even, I, you know how it is too. If you build something, you're like, oh, if you find something, if you come across something that's a little cheap, you're like, well, okay, well now maybe I'll switch everything over to this. <laughs> right. But, uh, uh, I guess, uh, was that a question? Uh, cool. Yeah, it, oh, it says, yeah, how do, how do you keep your ASICs warm enough in the Canadian winter? Charles Spears Oh, in the asked. Canadian winter, yeah. yeah. So, uh, well, let me give you an example. Go to the mini cubes in that website. Um, okay. So the mini cube, uh, I can give you two, two like, examples here. Which one? The easy way to do it is like in the combo unit. furthest to the left. Yeah, the, the mini cubes yeah. furthest to the left there. Um. Before I just talk about this, the combo unit that was solved with just the engine heat, right? The engine preheated mm -hmm. all the air, and then you can control the engine air circulation just with this manual louver. So in the cold weather, you just let the engine heat blow into the unit. Mm -hmm. In this one, there is no engine, right? It's just a it's the smallest data center I could possibly figure out how to build. It's a four foot cube. Yeah. Okay. And as you can see, they're meant to be stacked uh, if you need them. So it's just meant to be very modular. That cube is designed for the commodity engine that we sell like the v 5.7 liter uh small block which is like the most common oil filled engine in history right so that's why yeah. i designed it that size now in terms of how do you keep your asics cool or he asked how do you keep them warm right is that what he said yeah yeah how do you keep them warm through the cold canadian winters so yeah so i've it, this has been uh so this cube is our first winter we had going with these cubes because i didn't have them last winter um, I just designed it. I built the first one last summer. So uh, my plan for recirculating the heat was uh, just first, the first idea, like plan A, was just I had the, the fan on a VFD, a small VFD. And now, what is a VFD? I, I know it's an acronym for something. Variable frequency drive. Okay. So like a three phase motor, you can control the speed and even overspeed it with a three with a with a VFD. Okay. So there's a small VFD in each of these running that fan. And I've gotten away from that, which I can get into. But the the idea is that I was just going to slow the fan down, right? And then the, the ASICs are pushing the same airflow. So they're going to just recirculate. Sure. And that was plan A to see if that would work. Didn't work that well because A, there's huge temperature swings. 
Uh, B, there's not really any ideal placement of the temperature sensor in the cube that gives you a mm -hmm. good idea of the where you know what's hot and what's not yeah because in the in the very middle it can be super hot but on the outer edges it could be almost yeah. you know freezing and you wouldn't think it but like even in that little cube like there's a lot of weird dynamics going on on how the air is flowing mm -hmm. so it didn't work that well like i would i could slow the vfd down it would help a bit but it wouldn't like ideally you don't want to be like mining like minus 20 degrees c you want oh, yeah. to be mining at maybe no, no more than minus five, but hopefully above zero, right? Yeah. Above zero, above freezing. Um, so I was trying to keep things above freezing, um, but honestly, I, I couldn't really do it. So why my, my plan B was I built a small tin, uh, call it like a plenum that just goes over the fan and reroutes the heat back to the intake, sort of what mm -hmm. you see some other container guys do. Uh, that worked okay, um, but overall... I wasn't really satisfied with it. So um, I, I just found that uh, the, um, I guess, certainly with S9s, we didn't generally have a lot of problems running them. Some some we did, mm -hmm. they have trouble just cold starting and stuff. Yeah. Um, so there was just a bit more manual intervention, but uh, the ducting works okay. But uh, that's why with those cubes, like the next product, I guess I can show you the iteration now. Um, the next product is just the hash hut is really how I solve this problem. Hopefully for good, uh, because you know, you want to get rid of the hut. <laughs> that, that, that sounds like a, a kind of place you would like party on the weekend, you know, like <laughs> the hash Oh, hut. fuck. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's I a mean, door big enough to, to get it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very un unapologetic in terms of how I brand. Cause like, mm -hmm. like I've, you know, I've had people like just, friends and stuff and like uh people try to give me constructive criticism about you know not branding is like solely bitcoin mining right um because mm -hmm. if you look at my website all i talk about is bitcoin yeah i don't talk about um you know what a lot of guys will do and and it's probably good marketing is, is just to say like we just do data centers and we right. do computations or we do cloud computing right they don't yeah. they don't say uh you know we're into Bitcoin and that's all we do, but I'm like unapologetically a Bitcoiner, so I, I do that. No, I, I love it. So, well, honestly, I, I just think in the long, I'm playing the long game. Like I think society will continue and is coming around to Bitcoin. I can tell you, like the oil field is coming around to Bitcoin big time uh, compared mm -hmm. to what, like compared to the conversations I had in like 2016 versus now. It's oh, yeah. crazy. It's completely different. So like the hat, like you putting that word like hash in there, I've, I've had a lot of my friends in oil field be like, why are you calling it hash? They're going to think it's like a, a marijuana grow up, right? But <laughs> right. Uh, well, if, if Bitcoin yeah. ever, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And hey, yeah Bitcoin goes you know? to nothing. Like, right. yeah, exactly. Convert it over. We, we can make that hash hut a real hash hut. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And some people call it a sauna. I don't know why that looks like a sauna. Oh, I guess yeah. Some look, yeah, I can see that. Some look like that. I don't know. <laughs> I, I wouldn't so, want to touch the sides, though. I mean, with my bare arm. Oh, yeah. On, on a sunny day, no way. <laughs> that's a whole bunch of nope for me. Throw some more rocks in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a uh, that's that's built out of, like, so we just build a, the buildings uh, in our shop, but it's a uh, galvanized tin in that, in that case. We can do, like, any color, too, because we just sell the guys that just branded themselves. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so the the cool thing about this okay about the heat management like i'm hoping this is my last uh 
iteration in terms of just heat management. The idea here mm -hmm. is that uh, I wanted to come up with a good way to recirculate the heat. So, you know, most container designs, not all of them, but mo most of them have this sort of standard unidirectional airflow. <laughs> Air just mm -hmm. comes in one side, yeah. out the other. And so it makes it, there's ways you can recirculate the heat, but I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen anything to me that looks like it's very reliable. That works sure. really well. Um, especially when it's like, you know, when I park these things in the prairies, uh, there's really, I, I can't imagine a worse environment. Like it's just, it blows just constant hard wind, extremely cold. Any, if you try to read circ the heat, like, uh, over the top or the unit or something, if it has any chance to blow away, it will. Mm -hmm. So not to say that that problem is completely solved here, but the way I solve it is you just put a weather hood that you point on each fan and you can point it up or down. So if you want the heat to blow back into it in the winter, it's just a mm -hmm. manual, uh, the weather hood pushes it straight down at the intakes. The intakes are on low on each huh. side. Yeah. The, ni the nice thing about this too is like you'll find in the winter, especially in Canada, well, there's a few other is issues. Like you'll get frost clog off your intakes mm -hmm. and this solves that because it blows a heat rate at the intake. Um, and then also the biggest problem, um, the, the flaw of the cubes that I build, um, and you know, I, I explain this to the customers, you got to be very careful. Like it's not as dummy proof as you could say, I guess I could say as this is, because if, if the operator, if the site operator, you know, he was managing the data center, even though he's just doing it for the company and he doesn't, he hasn't bought it or nothing. He might not really know what he's really doing aside from, you know, if I have to tell, if I tell him, uh, I need you to check this breaker, and like flip it. Right. But if he opens right. the door, and of the cube so i'm talking about the cube now if he opens the door which is also where the air comes in and leaves it open for an extended period of time or does it when he shouldn't like if it's snowing out it'll mm -hmm. suck snow right through and and short your asics oh yeah so, oh yeah yeah so that's the downside of the cube is uh or any real data center design is you got to make sure the operators know what they're doing so i wanted to make something a little more dummy proof and i think that's what this hash hut is because if you're going to open that building, you're really just going to enter it and, and do your work inside. Whereas the cubes, the cubes have a really good application and we're seeing a lot of, of uh, good use cases, but it's just a little mm -hmm. less dummy proof. And that's what I want to get away from. Yeah. Um, so the cubes, for example, are more so I'm targeting warmer climates um, and the hash huts for, okay. for sort of colder, hash huts are actually, extreme. yeah, they're basically all purpose, but especially for my Canadian guys, like it's mostly the hash huts or what I'm quoting recently. <clears throat> uh, yeah. And, and so this says it has a, a water curtain add on and soundproofing add on. Uh, I I'm sure that the soundproofing has been something that people have asked for. You know, not actually, uh, because most of my target audience, right. Is, is oil field. And right with, right, with okay. that this the bitcoin mine's like the quietest thing on the site <laughs> yeah right. well it depends right like it's all about it really is just all about application and, and a lot a lot of sites are close to landowners and so they have to be a lot more conscious about decibels um i think the uh well the soundproofing is pretty easy like we just soundproof it the same way we, we soundproof gen sets and everything else like you sure add, sure you can add sound boxes and 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 stuff to it which is pretty easy to do with this design the water curtains we don't actually supply them but you could you could just mount a water curtain pretty easily to it so it's just a 
another feature um, where it's pretty easy to implement. Yeah. Um, but again, we haven't used water curtains in oil field and it's, it's also a lot more challenging because, you know, you're going through water. So mm -hmm. uh, yeah. who's replenishing mm -hmm. that? Like, yeah, where, where's um, the water going to come from and what's the, you know, clean yeah. level of the water and it's not, yeah, it's, <clears throat> it's something that would be something maybe someone just in the right application, you know, could look mm -hmm. at, but, uh, for most of our oil field guys, like probably not going to fly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's really fascinating to see all your your different designs and your your different builds. Uh, you know, definitely in in my time working with Scott, um, I've seen a lot of people you know kind of address a lot of different issues and a lot of challenges. And you seem to have the uh, the most versatile solutions that that I've seen around. Would you consider yourself kind of a one stop shop? Like, are you able to do everything from end to end, or are you just mostly focusing on um, you know the the boxes? Well, the kind of sort of the, the, our offer to producers, like my main clients are oil producers, right? Like uh, mm -hmm. I do get a lot of inquiries from just pure Bitcoin miners, um, wanting quotes, wanting hosting, et cetera. Um, but certainly in the past, like I've, I've done a lot to improve our cost basis on all of our stuff. So I think I'm actually at the point now where I can competitively offer like a utility miner, like a like a, like a solution, like a data center package. Mm -hmm. um, whereas even a year ago, it was most of my stuff was just best suited for oil field. So, um, cause even a year ago, like the amount of growth I've had in the last year, I was still just a one man show uh, a year ago. And I finally like have had enough sales and stuff to start bringing people in and expanding business. Uh, but my, my, I guess my pitch to producers is like, when you go talk with oil producers about this stuff, um, and I've, we've been talking with most of the big guys in Canada, at least, mm -hmm. um, almost like it's, it's rare for them to care about holding Bitcoin, for example, and wanting Bitcoin, like they don't want it. They don't want to touch it. So, while, sure. so in terms of the kind of service we offer, like I, I do offer a full turnkey service. Like, uh, we do the gen sets. I build them in house. Like I don't obviously manufacture them, but I assemble them in house. Sure. Um, the we do that up to like 400 kilowatt right now because uh, that seems to be where where most of the demand is um and then uh so what i was saying the for the oil producer a lot of them has their own have their own gen set so i go after those guys mainly because it's all about cost right like what's the investment sure. cost what's the payout they have if you have you know stranded gas one uh idle engines two uh, all you need is a Bitcoin mine. It's pretty easy. It's a much yeah. easier sell, right? But we do, uh, we do the full deal. Like I'll build the gen sets in our shop. Usually, most of the gen sets we're building are like these fifty kilowatt small blocks, right? Okay. Um, but just that's just where the demand is. Um, but we we build the data centers in shop in 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 house, like in our shop, and then obviously the ASICs we just get from you know wherever we get a good price. And just package it together but when it comes to the customer uh we offer it's pretty basic really like i set them up with a mining pool it's usually like slush pool because these guys are noobs and they just want a right nice like <laughs> ui right uh ux um whereas you know if you put them on something like ck pool or like one of the you know where you're just getting some json data like they're not mm -hmm. that keen on that but uh Basically, like I, I don't, I don't hold anyone's bitcoins for them, or at least I, I will do it for like up to a period of like one or two months because some mm -hmm. of our customers don't want to touch it. 
So we have to hold it and liquidate it for them. Okay. And that's how that's that's how I get them to, uh, you know, because that's always a big question is, you know, if you're if you're a big oil if you're an engineer at a big oil company, like you can make the sale on okay, we can buy this package. It's going to cost this much. This is a cost benefit. Like the revenue, the payout, it looks pretty decent. What you're not going to usually sell your management on is like who's going to manage the Bitcoin for the company, right? Because it sure. comes with a lot. It's very slippery, right? Like it, mm-hmm. you know how it is. What if you get hacked? Like prove it, <laughs> right? So <laughs> prove that you didn't steal it, right? So uh, what we did, what we do is just I, I give them that extra option where I say, look, we'll just buy your Bitcoin for market rate. So any point they want to sell it, they don't have to go to an exchange. We just buy it off them. Yeah. Wow. And I make, make make it easy. Yeah. It's nice to have the capital laying around to do that too. <laughs> well, to be quite honest, at uh, his like discretion. We, yeah, no, I liquidate it no matter what, but uh, we we just buy it and sell it. So I bought. I, it's already in my possession uh, usually because they're they're mining on uh, they're mining to our wallet, but they just mm-hmm. they have the account, and we just liquidate it. These are just, we have contracts set up with these guys, but with the smaller guys, I find, um, you know, smaller producers and even like we've sold to some, um, I guess you can call it competitors, but like other companies built that build and service gen sets, for example, who are like, we got no work right now. Um, We need a way to diversify right now and offer customers a reason to use our gen sets. So uh, there's a couple gen set suppliers locally here. sort of like just within a couple hours radius of us that we build data centers for. And uh, for them though, they're more, because they're more, uh, well, they're smaller and they're more willing to handle their own Bitcoin. They just do all that. So I just sell them a data center, just like any other, you know, any product supplier, I just help them keep it optimized. Yeah. It's a a very cool niche. Yeah. Steve, of of all the stranded resources, uh, people I've had the the pleasure of talking to, you're you're the only one that makes it sound like it's easy. You're like, yeah, yeah, we just got the hash box and put a couple hash boxes and they got a gin set ready to go. We plug them in. uh, All the Bitcoin goes to my wallet. I cash it out for them. No, no big deal. Like everybody else makes it in this huge, you know, really technical, you know, difficult, almost impossible situation. But you're you're the only one that, that seems to make it easy um well talk talking well, about making that, it easy if, yeah talking yeah. about making it easy um uh, <laughs> you know that's what scott and i intend to do for the industry with our website crypto mining tools crypto mining tools is meant to be your one-stop resource for all information uh, regarding crypto however we do not do private tutorials so if you have some strange or obscure hardware or software we we don't do tutorials or or support that you will need to reach out to the vendor and contact them to get support but if you're wanting basic information such as calculations on profitabilities of the different miners out there we have that available and we have what we think is you know i don't mean to brag but we think it's the best calculator out there why because it considers all the different factors and variables that other calculators are not considering. And we're constantly making improvements to it. We're constantly tweaking the algorithm and we're constantly tweaking the graphic user interface. I don't want to give away anything, but you know, stay tuned in about uh, three or four weeks, you're going to see some changes to the graphic user interface. We want to make it very, very easy for people to understand what these calculations are doing, how they're working over time, um, and not just see, you know, in numbers, because sometimes that can be hard for people. And then we have our comparison app here, 
where you can compare the different miners and you know miners that uh, you're considering to buy. You can see how they rank and how they stack up to other miners, and then go to the next. Nope, you there? Yeah, I'm. I'm here. Uh, I, I was just going to say, and, and then our next app is the shop app. So once you know what miners you're interested in purchasing, you can go to our shop. Now we're, we're doing a major overhaul here. So uh, don't be spooked away if you don't see an inventory available. That's going to change very soon um, where we're going to create uh, an entire user role and client relationship management system on the back end. It's almost done. It's being tested right now um, that will hopefully keep fresh inventory constantly going into our system. So you've always got a chance to, to buy the, the latest miners and, and the hottest miners. And even the miners, you know, let's say you have free electricity. Apparently everybody that I talk to that, that has questions on the site, they have free electricity. Um, so you have an opportunity to get uh, used miners at a really, really deep discount. And then last but not least, and I think this is where our guest Steve kind of ties in here. Let's say you buy a, a hash box, you know, from Steve and he's got it all set up for you. And, you know, you're stranded, it, you know, the price of oil, the price of gas, everything, it tanks and, and you know, it falls through and you're stuck now. You, you don't have a contract. You don't have a place to do it. On our hosting directory listing, you can find a power purchase agreement. You can find active power purchase agreements in North America. Um, and we're expanding every day and you know, you can go back and you can save the entire deal. Cause you know, Steve, he's going to work hard. He's going to build that hash box for you. And you know, whether or not you have the power that's on you, but we have a resource that can help you get that power and help you acquire that. Another very useful tool here. And Scott loves this <laughs> is let's say you want to know how many miners you need to use a certain power. So let's say you have a half a megawatt of power that you know is available, but you have no clue. You know, you don't want to sit down all day on a calculator adding, you know, what is just trying to figure out how many S17s do I need to get a half a megawatt? On our website, you can literally go in here. You can choose the miner that you want to mine with and you can adjust the quantity until it shows you exactly how much power that you want to use. Yeah. It's a pretty cool tool. It's pretty nifty. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that, Ethan. Um, yeah, so back to you, Steve. I need, um, I need you to, I need to hire you, Ethan, to shill my stuff, man. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, I like the enthusiasm. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, just, just very, let me know. He's very proud of this. You know, it, it started out as my baby, but then he he took it over, and and it's he's taken a lot off my plate. It's been awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so, Steve, yeah, uh, Bitcoin mining oil fields. It's, it's all crazy stuff. Um, so what, one thing we haven't talked about, and we gotta, we gotta wrap it up pretty quick though, but, sure. um, I, I, my, my one question to you is the people that are buying this stuff from you, are, are they doing it really, like you said, you know, to get into Bitcoin or is it more that flare mitigation or, uh yeah, uh, most of our sales is uh, certainly, well, there's certainly plenty of guys that are doing it to get into Bitcoin, but um, most of them are doing it to solve a problem, um, which is stranded gas usually. Yeah. Uh, str stranded, or I like to call it liability gas, but yeah. like stranded gas wells, um, vented gas, and flared gas. So reducing, uh, in some cases, we've completely eliminated the flares. 
Um, in other cases, just depending depending on the nature of the facility, that's going to be a lot harder to do. Um, especially in, in a lot of facilities, flares are uh, not. They're also critical as a safety feature uh, to have that flame continuously burning uh, for upset conditions, right? Hmm. So there's there's different um, needs, but mm -hmm. most of our clients, because you know 99% of our clients are oil field, uh, they have a need, and it's usually to mitigate. So when they, for example, you know when there's several examples I could give you, but like one common one is uh, in Canada, uh, you're not allowed to vent too much gas, and if you do. Um, especially the guys, well, a lot of guys do and just don't tell anyone. Right. Um, but that's what the I, that's guys. what I do. If I get too much gas, I'm just yeah. like, smell yeah, the fella, yeah, not no, me. Don't say. <laughs> we're, we're not, we're not supposed to talk about farts on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I was just it. talking it about vitting gas, man. That's, that's the other podcast. <laughs> this is where I like these podcasts to, to go, to be honest. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, they, you know, there's all kinds of benefits. Like, you know, if they have, because there's several cases where we deployed units and the only reason they're allowed to start their well up is because we were on their site. So cases like that, because we're putting them into compliance with the regulations. Mm -hmm. Wow. Now, smaller guys don't give a shit. Like, uh, not, not, not to paint them all with the same brush, but generally if, if they're, if they can just get away with doing nothing, like just venting, they'll keep doing it. But, uh, it's just how it is, right. They just don't want to go bankrupt. Right. So, sure, yeah. uh, but, you know, and then like, of course, stranded gas wells, we get a lot more calls, uh, especially recently. Um, I don't know exactly why, but I'm getting a lot more calls from guys just with stranded gas wells. And uh, I think they're just hearing because, you know, I think you guys have seen it, too. I certainly have seen like the narrative around Bitcoin mining and oil field has been boosted a lot in the last like year and a half. Yeah, sure. Uh, two years ago and two and a half years ago, it was like no I, like no cold calls right like it was yeah just, you know there's uphill battle very very much so yeah. steve i i hate to leave it there uh you've been awesome can you let our audience know what's a good way for them to reach out to you because I'm, I'm sure things are really changing for you uh yeah i just uh like always uh twitter is the best way to reach out if it's just uh to say hi or whatever if it's uh my twitter is at sg barber B-A-R-B-O-U-R. And mm -hmm. if if it's more serious, like it's more about like sales and data centers. Yeah. Um, just email sales at upstreamdata.ca. Okay. All right. Fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna put that here in the yeah, comments Scott's gonna section. put it in the okay, comments here. So Steve on Twitter. Okay, right there. SG Barber. Just yeah. the bar Barber. It's all yeah, shit posts. It's nothing, no quality posts. It's just garbage, but feel free to follow me there. <laughs> no way. No, I, I, uh, when I read your tweets, it's always about how Bitcoin is the best. And, you know, yeah, it, you definitely seem like a, like a maximalist. Um, and, mm -hmm. and I, I've, I've seen you get some pretty good retweets and comments and likes, and you got some good stuff going on Twitter. I, I I wouldn't I, I am and I'm, I am and I'm not a maximalist. I guess it depends how they define it, but definitely I'm very very pro BTC as they say. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah. Thanks again for uh, coming on our show. It was good chatting with you and getting to know you a little bit better. Thanks yeah, a lot no, for sure. Thanks guys. All right. Good to meet you. See you. Take Steve. care. Bye bye. Bye bye.